Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy midday of the week. We're almost to the weekend, which I'm always thrilled about. Love a good Wednesday moment. I'm super excited you guys are here. Plug, shameless plug. Don't forget to follow Dating in the Bay on Instagram at Dating in the Bay. And yeah, today I have an exciting guest for you, Marie Thuin. She's a PhD and she has her own dating and relationship coaching program called Love Insights. And she also happens to live in the Bay Area, which is always exciting. And I ordered a Peloton. I decided to define the relationship with a Peloton after 11 months of torturing myself about thinking. So if you guys have any recommendations or hot tips on how to Peloton, I have to wait for the arrival till March 24th. But I anxiously await this day. I'm on a list to see if I can get it sooner. But until then, I'll just wait, wait by the door. Also want to talk about a couple hot tips from the book, How to Not Die Alone by Logan Yuri, who actually is going to be coming on the podcast, which I am so pumped about. I've been really trying to get this episode to happen and I'm so thrilled that it will. So stay tuned for that. But I want to talk about a couple of hot tips that she gave about how to meet people in real life. And yes, I understand that we're in a pandemic and it's a lot harder to meet people in real life. But And that she also wrote this book, Pre-Pandemic World. At the same time, I think a lot of these things still ring true. And I wanted to just share them in case you guys haven't had the chance yet to read her book. So she talks about how to meet people in real life. Get your friends to set you up on dates. I think it's the number two way people meet people is like through setups of friends or family. So definitely do that. And connect with people that you already know. This one was super interesting to me because she talks about how your person could be hiding in plain sight. She says that could be a friend, a friend of a friend, someone on your church committee, your neighbor, a former colleague. It could be anybody. She says that all you have to do is just see the person in a different light. And that's actually what happened to Logan, who's the author. She and her husband, by the time they had been dating, they'd already been Facebook friends for eight years. They were only real friends for a year. They went to college together and they both worked at the same startup. But she saw him in fresh eyes eight years later And because of the perspectives that she gained from working with the dating coach, she actually saw him, yeah, a different light. And then now they're married and the rest is history. So they had worked together, college, and then eight years later, boom, completely different. The whole trajectory of their relationship changed because they didn't even see each other in that way, which is kind of wild. So I thought that was really interesting. And then she talks about, yeah, going to events. Yeah, events are a little harder now, but you could totally go into a virtual book club or any other virtual thing that you're really passionate about or some activity that you really care about. So yeah, I think those were kind of the main things and just really, you know, apps are, we're so reliant on the apps, but I think that you can strategize other ways that you can go about it. As she talks about in her book, I think they're awesome. They're also really important tips that we can all apply to our daily lives. So I hope you guys find those helpful. I definitely found them super interesting and I wanted to share them with you guys. So Thank you guys for indulging me on that journey. And with that, please enjoy my episode with Marie. Hey, Marie, how's it going? 
Yeah, it's going well. It is really a good day to be in the Bay Area for sure. It is. We have some sun. It's nice. I'm so cold, but what else is new? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about mindful dating with you today. We actually got connected because somebody else who also is in the Bay Area reached out to me and talked to me about you. And I had said, oh, I just like went on a walk to make a list about topics I want to talk about. And I had mentioned mindful dating on my list. And then that's when she brought you in. So it all kind of worked out perfectly. Yay. Perfect. I love talking about mindful dating. Yeah. So can you kind of first start us off with what is mindful dating? What does that look like and your work and background in it? Of course. So mindful dating is applying the principles of mindfulness to the dating world, which oftentimes we see as two separate things. Oftentimes people are on a spiritual path and they feel like their meditation practice, their spiritual practice is one thing, but dating somehow falls outside of that. And I like to integrate the two where you can use the process of dating and meeting new people to really watch your emotions and really sit with them and understand yourself better and understand humanity better. So it's really to squeeze the value out of this process to a much bigger extent where it helps you grow. Okay. I have a silly question. Mm -hmm. How do you define mindfulness? Oh, that is not actually a silly question. It is a very good question because so many people define it in so many ways. So there is a classical definition where it has to do with a state of attention where you go from your head to a more embodied state of attention. So I like that definition and I am using the term a little bit more broadly when I'm talking about mindful dating being embodied and and going outside of just the headspace and into a more embodied, intuitive state of knowing is certainly a big part of it. I think that's really important to do it in all kinds of situations. But I also apply mindfulness just in a more general sense of thoughtfulness and really thinking about what meanings am I attributing to things that are happening, you know, like not just saying like things are happening to me, but to say things are happening for me. And what am I really getting out of this? I like that. So before we get into your six step approach to mindful dating, I want to talk about, I was reading on your website, how you talk about radical self-love. How do you, I guess, define that? And what does that look like? And if you have any examples of, you know, like someone famous who embodies radical self-love or kind of who we kind of look to as an example for that? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. And I think I always like to look at spiritual figures like the Dalai Lama and people who we really can feel that not only are they actively taking care of themselves, but they have an inner peace about them. People who have come to terms with the fact that life is so many different colors and they're not trying to control life to just be one dimension. So I think that radical self-love is about not just pushing away negative emotions and just trying to cultivate good ones, although it's always good to cultivate good emotions, but to really embrace all of who we are. I'm trying to think about famous people, but... For some reason, a lot of famous people I know don't seem to have radical (laughs) self-love. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's definitely fair. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, sometimes we, you know, people become famous because they're become really expert at putting up a mask and putting up a show of like, oh yeah, I'm so cool. And that is a mask and that can work to make us successful in the world but it doesn't necessarily mean that we are radically accepting of all of who we are. I like that. But I do want to get into kind of breakups and reframing. Mm -hmm. Well, rejection is such a big point of pain. Yep. I think you mentioned about standards and were they actually meeting your standards? And I was like, oh, that's actually a great point. Because I was like, no, they weren't. So I'm like, I'm okay. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting to really go into those situations. And oftentimes, maybe not all the time, but when we feel rejected by someone, there is also part of us that did the rejecting, just not so consciously. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, like I met a, um, well, a woman one time who, let's just talk about a work situation where she had just gotten fired from her job. And she was very upset. She was very offended. She felt like she had not been really seen and respected. But then when I started to ask her about her work and how she felt about it, she had started rejecting that job before she got fired. She had started losing interest. She had started growing some resentment. She was not happy there. So I helped her realize that she had been the first one to do the rejection. But because she got fired, then the big story in her mind was that she was the rejected one and she was the one not being taken care of and not appreciated. So I think it's important to really be, to really be clear in those situations. Like, am I getting my feelings hurt really because I really, really, really wanted something or somebody, or is it more of an ego thing where, you know, I'm getting offended even though I didn't really want that person. I just don't like the fact that they didn't want me. Mm -hmm. And just then we can end up hurting our own feelings as a result of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. It is the human mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know all about that. Gift pod. Emotions are way more intensified since we don't have all those pre-pandemic life distractions. This year has taught me a lot about resilience and perspective. And the ups and downs of dating during a pandemic are, um, yeah, they're a lot. What's helped me to get through are the unsung bays, my friendships. Through GiftPod, I'm able to record a message to my closest bays and let them know I'm thinking about them and all the fun things we'll do together post-quarantine. The team at GiftPod will spruce it up with music and give it to them as a private podcast. It's a great gift to send to your friends as a pick-me-up and an extra boost to brighten their days during this kind of turbulent time. GiftPod is offering listeners 10% off with the code 104BAE. That's the number 10, S-O-R-B-A-E. You can check them out at giveagiftpod.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. So yeah, let's get into the six. You have a methodology of six different phases that you use to approach with clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first one is deep visioning. It's really about getting clear about what is it that I want? What is it that I really value in life? And what do I want out of my love life? There is this really default narrative 
that we all grow up with, that we should want, you know, a heterosexual relationship with one partner and it should be a lifelong thing. We should get married. We should have children. You know, like there is this relationship escalator model Mm -hmm. that we all have internalized to one degree or the other. And then there's the reality of what we really are and who we really are and, and, and what comes from our heart and to do the work of disentangling both can be really illuminating and really freeing. It can be hard work, but it's important to do before you throw yourself in the dating world without full alignment in terms of what you want. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. We kind of already touched a little bit on it, but the dating strategies, how would somebody approach a dating strategy? Because I kind of think of a strategy like a football game. What's our strategy or what the team's strategy is to win? Mm-hmm. Dating, is you're just bringing who you are and your authentic self to dates. I mean, ideally, that's the, the dream, right? <laughs> how does a strategy play into that? Well, it's about feeling like you're in the driver's seat of your dating life. So oftentimes we know exactly what to do and what steps to take when we're doing other things, like looking for a job, for example. We update our resume, we go and knock on doors, we ask ourselves, well, what salary do I want to make? What would Mm -hmm. be the lowest? You know, you you go through a process of inquiring and then putting together a plan. So with dating, we can do that as well. Of course, online dating is a part of the strategy for most people, but it doesn't have to be the only one or it doesn't even have to be part of it. You can think about all of the events in your area that will attract people who are like-minded, like meetups, speed dating events, business networking groups, etc. Like where can you put yourself out there? And what are you going to say to those people when you meet them and you find yourself interested? So to have a bit of a plan for your dating life can really serve you because we have this Hollywood idea that it should just happen. Love should just fall on our lap. And that's not true. You know, like nothing just, I mean, sometimes, you know, like there's stories of people just meeting at the train station. (laughs) Those are the people who don't have to work out. You know, that there's like some, there's one person who doesn't have to work out, but most of us have to like, put the time in, put the effort in. And once you do the work, it'll work. Just there's no timeline per se, but. Exactly. I like what you're saying though, about how having a menu of options that you can pull from, not just relying on the apps. I really do subscribe to the world has to be your dating app because, you know, letting, putting it out there that tell you all your single friends, like you love going on dates and you just want to meet new people. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think that people would have a lot more fun if they had that attitude. And it doesn't mean that you can't have standards and deal breakers. I think it's important to also have that as part of your strategy is knowing what would really be a deal breaker, what doesn't work, what hasn't worked, and to stare away from those situations because you don't want to just go on date with everyone. Yeah, that nobody has time for that. (laughs) What kind of partner do I actually want? And what am I looking for? And to throw all of those conditioned ideas out the window and say like, okay, like, how about kindness? Mm -hmm. You know, how do I determine if someone is really kind and someone has real security, not just fake security and the macho persona? There's a big difference. And we can train ourselves to see the difference. And Maybe the quiet guy has more of a real sense of security and 
they would be a better partner emotionally than someone who is just training themselves to wear the mask. So let's double click on what a secure person would look like in the dating world. Because let's say you're going on a first date, a second date, a third date. You know, it's in the modern dating world, no one's really showing their cards at the beginning. It's very murky. How can you really tell who's secure when you're operating in such an uncertain environment? Hmm. Well, you can really refine your radar and your antenna in that department. If you train yourself with experience or with the help of a coach like me, you know, to look at people's profiles and pictures and potentially like have a phone call or a Zoom call before you meet them in person and then compare that preliminary information with the reality of who you see them to be. And there's going to be small indications, like, for example, how they treat the waiter that can tell you a lot. And, and just a certain sense of, do you feel safe emotionally in their presence? I, you, I think we can all really tell when someone is being authentic and real and when someone is not. And sometimes it's a subtle difference and we can have a clouded judgment because we really want to like this person and maybe they check some items on our list and we want to give them a chance. But if we really get quiet and ask our gut, does my heart feel safe with this person? Does my soul feel good? Do I think that they're being really authentic? We have access to a lot of information. We just have to learn to really trust it. I also read something that just reminded me of how it's it's how you feel when you're not with a person that can also, like if you feel really uneasy and anxious, that might be a good indicator too that it's not really a good fit. Is that playing to it or is that just kind of more just the, own, the other person? I think it depends. I think it depends on who you are and what what is triggering you to feel uneasy or anxious will depend on your own background. Some people maybe have anxiety when they do feel a potential with someone and it is maybe a great person to be with, but that makes you feel anxious. So I wouldn't make a rule about that. I would have to see like a case by case of what is your pattern to begin with. But really, I think in general, like to learn to access our gut and to have that experience and to only invest in people who are also investing back. To not just invest in people on the basis of how much we like someone or how much we're attracted to someone physically, but is this person contributing value in my life? Is this person caring about me and asking me about my needs and asking me about me? You know, like you can really learn to to be more discerning about somebody's behavior. I hope everybody listening right now takes out their notes app and writes down those things because I feel like those are all, I mean, all those could just, that could be like an entire separate episode just on, are they investing in me? It's not just because I like them that that's like, you know, giving them some heightened importance and keeping them on a pedestal doesn't work just from personal experience. And when you put somebody on a pedestal, you're looking up to them and it almost automatically makes them look down on you. I was just listening to um, some other podcasts with another dating coach who was comparing that process to a seesaw. 
where, you know, if you're looking up to someone, they're automatically looking down at you. And if you're looking down at someone, they're kind of automatically looking up at you. And you're creating this imbalance of power. Like you should really always look at people as equals mm-hmm. or at least, you know, if you are considering someone as a prospective partner, you should feel like you're on an equal playing field and there's no, you know, like pedestal in either direction. And that kind of brings us back to self-love. You know, when we are automatically putting people on a pedestal, it is an indication that maybe we don't love and respect ourselves fully. Yeah. And it's an indication to start taking care of ourselves more and and really be in touch with our own value. And the values-based approach, I think, is the most important because then you can kind of always look back to that person and be like, oh, are they like actually meeting these values that I hold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So number four, we kind of talked about this, uh, the online dating guidance. Let's talk about dating behaviors and communication because I'm like the biggest proponent of making dates fun and not terrible, painful interviews and whatnot. And yeah, can we talk through your top skills and what you recommend? Yeah. So when you are going to start texting with someone that you meet online or, you know, even outside in the world, I think it's also important to be mindful of the frequency and the amount of communication and the style of communication. Like, again, that idea of you don't have to hold back, but to not necessarily over-invest in someone who's not giving you the signs that they're open, because that can come across as pushy or needy, and you don't want to do that to yourself. So that's really important to kind of, in a way, like, match a person's level of interest and investment and not go like totally out of proportion with that. And in terms of communication, I really advocate for authenticity. Like when people ask me like, oh, what should I say? You know, like, well, what does authenticity and kindness want you to say? If you are just totally authentic and totally kind to this person in front of you, using those two compasses, what would come out of your mouth or what would you text? And that can go a long way in guiding that communication. And what kind of examples have you seen in the, in the field, so to speak, or of that? Mm. For example, I was talking to a woman yesterday who has a lot of struggles around giving rejection. It's interesting because most people come to me with a struggle around receiving rejection. But for some people to actually say no to someone that they're not interested in can be really painful and difficult for a variety of reasons. Like part of that can be, oh, I'm afraid of missing out on someone that maybe potentially I would want to stay connected with. Maybe I like the attention of someone. Maybe I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I know what it is to be rejected. But that can culminate in a connection that doesn't totally feel authentic. So, for example, to be able to say no when you mean no and to say it in a very kind way, in a respectful way, saying like, hey, I value your time. I'm so happy we met, but I'm realizing I don't, I'm not really feeling it or I don't have the space in my life for this, but thank you. And to handle those difficult situations in an honoring way, in a very respectful way, in a very authentic way, where you're not just plainly rejecting someone and dismissing their humanity, but you're actually giving them the gift of your authenticity. 
and you're doing it with kindness. So that's one example. Yeah. But it applies to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so important too. It's closing a door versus keeping it indefinitely open by like just ghosting people to me is like one of the most cruel ways to go about it because keeping somebody always wondering like, what did I do? Did I, then they'll kind of keep replaying everything. And so I think just being honest and straightforward. And like you said, kind and just genuine, I think goes such a long way. Right. I mean, imagine if everyone acted like this on online dating apps, there wouldn't be such a, you know, like a a bad rap, you know, people wouldn't say like, oh, online dating sucks. And we would just enjoy the process because we would respect each other's humanity and we would practice authenticity and compassion. Totally. I mean, I do think, I think all forms of rejection are not the most pleasant, but I do think that the more humane way to go about it and much more kind for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Oh yeah. So I also saw like on the relationship skills on that. You also had some flirting tips. Can we talk about those? Yeah. Love a good flirting moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's the funnest part. It is. Yeah. Well, I think that flirting is really about shifting our energy from a mental space to more of an embodied space. You know, like we are in our everyday life using the top part of our head to communicate with people. It's very mental. It's all about the words. It's all about exchanging data. But when we get into flirting, we have to go down into more of an embodied state of consciousness where we're not just exchanging verbal linear data, but exchanging vibes. You know, it's about really managing your vibe. Like, for example, like if I say, oh, I really like the jacket that you're wearing. If I'm saying it to you just as a friend, you know, oh, I I love your jacket. You know, where'd you get it? If I'm saying it to someone that I am interested in and I want to flirt with them, I can say like, ooh, that's a nice jacket on you. Where'd you get it? And, you know, you just say the same words, but with a totally different energy and that playfulness and a little bit of teasing and just really to notice small things about the person can be such a great door to flirting, like to choose a little detail and it lets them know that you care about them and that whatever they're doing is affecting you in a more personal way than just a business acquaintance. Yeah. You're paying attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Paying attention and turning it into something playful and bringing it to this more embodied, playful vibe. I like it. All right. The last step is managing emotions and dating transitions. The one I've been looking forward to the most <laughs> about reframing the rejections. Can we talk through how you help your clients deal with situationships that end, relationships that end, or any sort of like ending, like the morning of it, and then the loss, and then how they get back out there, that life cycle? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that number one, we need to stop framing relationships or situationships that end as failures. Because in the realm of mindful dating, there's no such thing as failure. There is only learning opportunities and growth opportunities and introspection opportunities. So, yes, I get it. Rejection always hurts. I don't think we can ever change that about, you know, the dynamics of human nature. 
But if we frame it in a way where, again, things happen for us and not just to us, then we can grab that rejection situation and ask like, okay, what really happened here? Was there part of me that was doing the rejection as well? How can I see this from a different perspective? And is there something that I want to become that would help me, you know, potentially attract someone that I really want to be with? Like, how do I use this situation of lack and deprivation to work on building myself bigger in a way that I really want to become? So it's like that combination of striving to be better and also being peaceful with what is. It's a very important paradox to be able to to surf on. Well, it's like, I feel like also a lot of things that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's too black and white to look at it like it's a failure because it's really just pushing you, propelling you forward in these new, better ways. It's the universe like protecting you kind of to be like, nope, there's, just go this way. I mean, to get out of a relationship that doesn't work is a great success. That is a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to run away from someone who's not good for you is a win. Yes, that for sure. And yeah, like not settling, that's a win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so kind of just reframing how we even look at it and how we show up every day. And there's so many little mini wins all the time that it's not like, oh, I just have to get this like overarching thing and then... I'll be happy. I don't think it's quite like that, but. Yeah, it's like that in Disney movies, but not in real life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you think about it statistically, like almost no one has a lifelong monogamous marriage that is successful and stays, you know, beautiful and vibrant for their entire life. Like that is a small minority of people. It doesn't mean that it can't happen to us or to people who are listening. I'm not saying like, don't, you know, you can't want that, but it's not the only way to be successful in love. There's millions of ways to be successful in love. Great way to tie us all back together to how we embrace the radical self-love and the overall mindful dating approach in general. So thank you so much for being here. How can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you or work with you? So I do give 30-minute introductory sessions for free. So if anyone wants to connect, I love meeting new people. All right. We'll tag you in the show notes for all those so people can click on those. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here. I hope everybody took notes. (laughs) There were lots of good gems in there. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. Anytime. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I thought it was really awesome. And I think, I mean, I'm still learning about mindfulness a lot because I'm way too hyper. So really working on the whole mindful thing. And this is a great way. My first step really dabbling in it. And yeah, I just really like her holistic approach she talked about and applying mindfulness practices and really disarming and being your authentic self. I think the more that we all can do that, I think it'll make it a little bit easier on all of us in this kind of ecosystem community of the dating world. So one more thing I want to say, because I just think it's so important what she talked about for reframing rejections, how looking at it as like a transition and giving yourself that self-compassion and self-understanding. So with that, 
Thank you guys for listening today. 